Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Today, we have on with us Jake Thompson. He is a keynote speaker and author and entrepreneur. He teaches teams how to build great accountability and compete every day for success. Jake's energy is already incredible. We are so excited to have him. Thank you for being here, Jake. Yeah, I'm excited about this. We've, man, this has been like months in the making too, right? <laughs> because we had it planned. We had to reschedule. So like the anticipation is built uh, and I'm very much looking forward to tonight. We are so so excited. We're going to get into all the good stuff. Jake is going to have all the tips for us. We were already talking. He, he's going to help us with these 20s things. He's here to help. So before we dive into all the nitty gritty, Jake, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from. And if you don't mind saying how old you are since it's yeah. rolling 20s. I am, I'm past my twenties and will happily trade with anyone still in them. Uh, I'm 38. Uh, so celebrated the big three, eight in July, live in Texas. I live in a town North of Dallas called Frisco grew up born and raised in Texas. Um, I'm here with my wife and our two dogs, sugar smacks and biscuit, both little rescues. Uh, biscuit is a Frenchie who is a terrorist, uh, is the best way to put her. She yeah. is Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. Uh, cause she just flips a switch and then sugar is our boxer. She's about 10, rescue 10, and she's just the sweetest thing in the world. So we live here in Dallas. Like you said, I, I get an opportunity to travel all over the world, um, all over the US, at least at this point, all over the world for fun. And yeah, just, you know, been running Compete every day since 2011. Uh, started it really selling t-shirts out of the back of my car because I didn't have a clue what I was doing, really. So that May of 11, that would have put me at 27 at that point. Uh, just had an idea and said, what the heck, let me chase it. Nothing else I've done to this point has really worked out the way I thought. And so here we are 10 and a half years later, and it's nothing like what I anticipated, but it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Wow. Ugh, it's incredible. And you guys, if you haven't listened to Jake's podcast, he's going to plug it later on, but um, it is so encouraging when I'm on the Stairmaster in the mornings, it's exactly what I'm listening to, whether it's new episodes or ones from the past. So definitely check it out. <laughs> but what actually led you? So you spoke about compete every day, obviously. So what led you to actually developing everything where you are now writing your book, your system, all those things. Yeah. So they all just, I would say kind of happened. So the brand initially started because I was consulting. I thought I was going to be Jerry Maguire. thought I was going to be a sports agent, spent college trying to get at an agency, finally got on as an internship, started recruiting guys, did it all the way, went immediately into grad school to get certified by the NFL. And about two weeks left until graduation, I had just a couple of bad experiences recruiting guys where the players and I connected, but they didn't like the guy I worked for. And I couldn't really blame them because he, he played in a lot of gray spaces that I wasn't too comfortable in. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at it and thinking, this is what I've wanted for like the last 10 to 15 years. And it's not anything like what I anticipated. And mm -hmm. so I got out. So I left uh, toward the end of 2008. Uh, if anyone remembers, a lot of you are probably a little young, but the economy sucked in that time. We had a nice little recession. And so I had a MBA 
non-traditional work experience. I'd worked at the sports internship. I'd worked at the Cowboys. I'd worked at some different minor league teams and nobody was hiring. Like not even Best Buy was going to give me a holiday job at that point. And so I just started freelancing marketing strategy. Social media was super new. Nobody really knew how to use it. And so I would just go with companies and teach basic content marketing, create a blog, become a, a power of resource. And I did that for a handful of years and I built a pretty good client model, but I was super unfulfilled with my work. And it's something a lot of times we can relate to. The money's great. Uh, we sometimes get caught in those golden handcuffs of the salary being great, the benefits are great, but we don't love what we do. Mm. And for me at that point, I was still young enough that I was like, I want to do something else. Like I don't want to be consulting all the time. I don't want to be always dependent on selling my time. And I started toying with this idea of competing every day. And, and really the concept for me was what would it look like if we stopped settling in all areas of our life and started pursuing greatness? Because a lot of us, we go all in on a career. We go all in on a relationship. We go all in on our fitness, but we let everything else kind of go to the wayside mm -hmm. and we stop really caring as much about it. And I asked, I was like, what would it look like if we just showed up and try to do better in every area every day instead of just one or instead of just being complacent? And I started talking to people about this and started to see the lights go off in their eyes of like, oh, this is what I would compete for. Oh, this is something for me. So I knew something was there. I spent about eight months trying stuff that didn't really work out until finally my best friend was like, you should look at this t-shirt company called Life is Good. And for anyone listening that's familiar with the, the shirt company, they're in airports all over the world, but it's a stick figure, ironically named Jake. And it's just yeah. simple shirt, just says life is good. There's a guy with an ice cream cone. There's a guy hang gliding. It's all about just enjoying life and, and gratitude. And my best friend recommended them and they started it selling out of their van, uh, just side hustling at marathons and events. And I didn't know any better at the time. And so I said, why not? And so I jumped in. Thought for the first handful of years, like we're going the route of like Lulu, Nike, like I want to build a powerful apparel company. And as I got down that path, what I noticed is I started chasing a lot of different things, trying to grow because I was looking at what everyone else was doing and thinking like, I'm doing it wrong, or I've got to do it just like they do. And so we, you know, we wasted a ton of money going custom production on cut and sew and, and had people take money and, and not deliver. And then we'd switch gears and try all this different stuff. And so it was a lot of zigging and zagging early to figure out what we really wanted. And eventually about 2015, I was talking with my team at the time. It was like, listen, this hasn't blown up the way I thought it would. And we're, we're growing, but we're not growing like I thought. And I don't know what I'm missing. Mm. And we, we just started talking and everybody was like, we're not doing a lot different than other people at the time. Like we were doing CrossFit events, race marathons, expos, and we're printing on we're printing funny slogans or motivational slogans and some great designs. And, and we had great prints, but we weren't doing anything outside of the box. And my team looked at me and said, what's different about us is we're not really for everybody. The message can apply to everybody, but we're trying to market to everybody. And that's not the deal because if we look at the general population, it's not most everybody wants to show up and compete and try to earn a job, earn a trophy and earn a goal and win it. Most people just want it. They want to give it to them. And so we have to stop because our message fits everybody, but it's not for everybody. We got to stop trying to talk to everybody. And the second thing, we, you need to go do more of it. They're like, you need to be out talking about it. You need to do videos. You need to do more content. And I was really kind of 
hesitant on that. And for a number of reasons, one were some limiting beliefs around what I've been told when I started the company. There was a, a consultant I worked with who was like, you need to stop being the face of this and just let it be a brand. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and that really kind of stuck with me because he's incredibly successful with some pursuits. And so I pushed back on my team a little bit. About the same time, I started getting asked to go speak to companies. And there was one specific instance in early 2016 at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. HR team reached out. They bought 100, 150 shirts for all their staff. And they were like, hey, will you come speak to our team? And I'm like, about what? (laughs) They're like, just talk about like the message, the brand. So I show up down there and corporate gig. I've got a backwards hat on. I'm about as laid back as you can be in a t-shirt. I've got my notes here. And I just go through my story and, and some lessons I've learned along the ways. And we're not that big, but I was like, here's what I've learned. Here's how it applies to all of our lives. And here's why I think everyone should compete. And the VP pulled me aside afterwards, Linda. And I, I tell her this every time I see her, I'm like, I owe like so much of this on to you. And she was like, you need to go do more of this. I don't know what your plans are, goals are. You need to go do more of this. And so that kind of sat with me a little bit. A couple of months later, I'm at Social Media Marketing World and I'm watching a a guy who's a speaker coach who I'd read one of his books years ago, do a training, kind of a workshop. And I was blown away at how he was able to just transform speakers in like a 20 minute window by giving them one to two little cues. And for those of us that played sports, it's like a coach seeing how we swing the baseball bat or we kick a soccer ball. And they're like, Hey, listen, try planting your foot just this way. And it opens up this whole other world. Mm -hmm. And so I saw him teaching. I was like, okay, if I want to do this, like that's probably the event I want to look at. Like I want to learn from this guy. So I looked online, I saw his conference. It was a little pricey, but I was like, Eh, if I'm going to do it, like, let me at least figure it out. I'll go to this conference. So I'm in Vegas at an event. I'm taking a red eye to his event in Florida. And as I'm getting ready to board the plane, I get an email from a, a woman that's been one of my customers from like year two. So OG. And she's like, Hey, I'm hosting a state PR conference. I want you to be our opening keynote. Are you available? And then what's your fee? And I'm sitting here thinking, uh, I don't have a clue what my fee is. Right. What's my fee? And I spent, I laugh, I spent 30 minutes at the airport crafting and deleting this email. And I sent her the email. I finally sent her a number and she responded immediately. And I'm like, oh crap, it was too low. And so I I go to the, so I go to this conference now with a little bit of a focus of like, oh, I have an event. Well, at the end of the conference, like a lot of conferences, they offer kind of an upsell. Mm -hmm. And for them, they call it grad school. And it was five months, five days at a time training in Philadelphia uh, going over everything, movement, vocal coach, writing a script, working the script, creating content. And I looked at the price tag on it and I was like, Oh, like, I don't know if I can do this. Like we had a good year, but mm, what am I going to do? And I just remember thinking like, if I'm going to do something, I need to do this because it puts skin in the game. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to go this route, I'm going to invest in it. If I invest in it, it means I'm going to do the work and make it run for it. And the good news is I put the investment in. It was a life-changing experience from a personal standpoint, from a speaking standpoint. My client that had that event, like as soon as I left and finished the event, she's like, you need to raise your fees. I was like, trust me. I I learned that as soon as you responded. (laughs) But 2017 and 2018 about crushed our company um, because what we did was we were used to doing events and expos and trade shows, and we made a lot of money offline. Mm -hmm. And those costs started going up. And I realized I didn't want to be on the road every weekend when my wife was off, my friends were off work. And so I was like, we're going to go hard in 2017 and we're going to get out entirely in 2018. 
Well, 2017, the market got flooded at these events. So the ROI went down. 2018, we got out entirely. So a ton of revenue that we had just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And the online was growing, but just not at the rate. And so it was a survival. Um, it, it was practice what you preach. It was not taking a paycheck so the team would get paid. It was having to sh uh, shrink our team a little bit or make people go part-time. It was a lot of tough decisions. But what I realized in that season is I'm planting the seeds on speaking side because I saw where I wanted to go. And it was the idea of taking 10 steps back in this case so that you can take 20 even better ones going forward. 2019 shows up and everything starts clicking and the apparel is growing and speaking is starting to get a full rhythm. It was the first year I was speaking full-time where I could earn enough full-time for that as a living. 2020, we got to the end of January. We'd already doubled the speaking revenue. Everything was looking awesome. And then COVID hit and the rest of the year disappeared. Uh, we March 13th, I'll never forget the day I got home from an event speaking at an insurance association conference and the rest of my book of business disappeared. And I'm the next morning, I'm cutting checks up, you know, 30, $40,000 worth of checks back to clients for canceled events. Yeah. And I had to really reframe my perspective and say, I still made the right decision going this route. Mm -hmm. And what I saw was apparel had a phenomenal year last year because everybody was still shopping online. Yep. I was able to create virtual programs. And more than anything, I was able to use the time that I wasn't traveling to change our schedule for the book, to get the journal created, started, to do all of these other things that I wouldn't have done had I been on the road all year or wouldn't even thought about. And so it was really kind of a blessing in disguise for that change. And so now the company is still evolving. We're still growing, but it's in the right direction. And so I can't compare where we are to another apparel company because we're we're trying to do something a little bit different. And so we just say, okay, how do we run this? How do we be really good at this? How do I get really good at this? And how do we get really good at this? So it's like three or four businesses within one. So that was kind of it is, is I decided in 2015, 2016, what we do is we help ambitious people build the mindset and skills to succeed. That's it. And so everything that we do has to reinforce that. If it doesn't help ambitious people improve their mindset or equip them with ways they can go get that fitness goal, that career goal, whatever, we don't do it. And so that's really how we started looking at everything that came through the lens. The book was part of that, mm -hmm. but what pushed the book from me talking about it in 2015, 16, 17 to writing it was I lost four speaking gigs, five, four or five uh, in 2019. And the event planner point blank said, we love you. We think your energy is great. We think you're the best fit for the event. However, our CEO wants to hire somebody that has a book. And after one, I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. After like two, I was like, game on. I'll see you next year. Yeah. So I, sat I will there go back with that wrote book. the book. Yeah. Wrote the book. Uh, didn't love the process of writing the book, but what it's done is has been a game changer. And so that's why book two is in the works now. And my goal is to do one about every two years. Uh, so yeah. So we started as an apparel company and where I see us now is really a training and development company that we can train your mindset from speaking engagements. I'm hoping to get some online courses finished, the book, the journal. And then we really kind of sell the apparel as the gateway in. Mm -hmm. And I looked at almost getting rid of it years ago to focus on this other stuff, but it's just a great way to reinforce the message. And the people we go after love to wear things that remind them of what they're capable of. And more than anything, that's just what we want the gear to do. Every message, every shirt, every tank is designed to empower you, but not make you feel good to remind you to take action because you're capable of taking action. And so that's kind of the, 
how it's morphed and grown and and it's been a roller coaster ride emotionally and physically and mentally and team wise but that's kind of where we are now. And so when people ask, it was like apparel and the media. And I'm like, we're just a training company that are trying to help people succeed. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's all so powerful. You said so many incredible things that I just know stood out to both of us for sure between kind of not like comparing your path, your story to other people, maybe taking aspects of like ways that you admire someone else that you know, kind of has either lives the life that it is that you're looking for or has a certain career that you're looking for. Um, I want to, can I hit on that real quick? Cause that, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tough battle for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Comparison is hard. It's even harder with these little devices and social yeah. media. We were just talking about and, that. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And so the one thing that's helped me is self-talk is really controlling the conversations I have with myself. And when I feel that envy, that jealousy, whatever it is, is asking myself, why am I feeling that way? Well, mm-hmm. it's because you're not at such and such level. Well, are you doing the same thing they are? Mm-hmm. Well, no. Are you doing something different? If you are doing the same thing they are, what was your starting line? Well, they're an influencer. They're a pro athlete. They did X, Y, and Z. You started as a guy selling t-shirts out of the trunk. Like you're on a different path. And so the more I ask myself questions, the more it helps. Comparison is healthy when we look at someone and we can say, what do they do well? And what can I learn from them? Mm-hmm. And those are the only two questions we should ever ask. Not, mm-hmm. are they better than me? Or what lucky brace do they have? Any of that. We only ask, what did they do well? And what can I learn from them? Because that means we can look and learn from them and look at them as a teacher versus taking away our wins, which isn't the case at all. Because what happens to most of us is when we start comparing ourselves to others, we become very complacent. We either set the wrong target and we can't win their race. They're running a completely different race than we are. And so we just don't do anything at that point. And we miss out on our own opportunities to grow and get better. Second thing is we start chasing a goal or a picture of success that isn't actually what we want for success. And we see that all the time of people that hustle and hustle and hustle and they reach this goal and they've made all this money. And then they're like, I'm so unfulfilled. And then they go and do like something in the nonprofit space or a great example, charity water, Uh, Scott Harrison, I think. Like club promoter, highest, well-connected as can be. And was like, this is not fulfilling. Like this is success for someone else. And it's not for me. And he starts charity water. Yeah. So for us, like when we compare, we start chasing the wrong finish line, or we just don't do anything because we're thinking we're out of the race. When in reality, the only race you're in is against who you were yesterday. I love that. I think it's, I think, and I appreciate you sharing your whole journey so much because there is this mentality, not just the comparison thing, but there is this mentality of you have to have it figured out in your twenties. Like you have to be doing your career in your twenties. And there is, I think a lot of shame and guilt and embarrassment if you're not that 20 year old million dollar entrepreneur or 20 year old yep. $60 million podcaster. Like there are, there is such this culture of feeling like you have to be at the finish line in your twenties. But I love what you said about planting seeds. And I think that that really stood out to me because maybe if we can reframe a little bit of like, okay, you don't have to be at the finish line in your twenties. There's going to be all these different things along your journey, bumps in the road, highs and lows, but planting the seeds in your twenties towards possibly that goal, that want, whatever it may be. And that's exactly right. So perspective from a societal perspective, I wasn't married till I was 32. Didn't own my own first home till I was what, 32, 33. Uh, way late compared to especially living here in Texas. And those of you listening in the South, like married at 21, right out of the gate. Right. So I didn't fit that box. I also like 
wasn't making much money in my 20s because most of my friends that had gone to medical school or were being doctors, dentists, whatever, or just took a job day one and were moving up in their career. Like that wasn't me. I was doing like internships and building and starting your own company is not much money. So like I looked at friends who were like banking and I'm like, but then I'm like, I'm in, I'm in a different race. Like I'm playing the 40 year game and not the, you know, 10 year, five year game. So that's another one that, that I would say. And the other thing I would say is twenties are your safest time to experiment, to, to, to treat life like a science experiment and say, not did I fail, but what's my hypothesis? Did it work? And did it not? And if it didn't just move on to something else versus getting caught up of, of trying to fit it, because the older you get, most people start getting trapped in the idea of the golden handcuffs. They stay at a company for 20 years. They hate it, but they'll never leave because they're like, I'm so invested at this point. Yeah. And you know, the older you get, the more likely a spouse, a family gets involved. And, and so you have to consider other people than yourself. And so that changes the dynamics. So the twenties, I'm like, be broke and just learn, learn, travel, build your skills. And, and what you find and what I've learned from really successful people is that that time in our teens and twenties, when we just quote, didn't have it all together, we're learning things that are incredibly valuable later. Yeah. For me, it was like, I taught myself basic graphic design and web design at the sports agency that I wasn't getting paid for because I was like, we need a nice brochure to stand out as a midsize agency. Didn't I know years later, I would need design for like basic t-shirts and getting started. So everything can build toward where you want to be. The key is looking at as planting seeds, like what seed can I plant today to get better? And that would, I mean, we talked off air briefly, but like one of the biggest lessons I would have given myself in my teens and twenties is stop caring about popularity and looking perfect. Quit trying to fit into the box and just focus on how you're going to get better every day. If you commit to building your mind, your body, your spirit, and your career, your skills, it doesn't matter if you feel like you're behind the curve or whatever else, like that is going to have some compounding interest over time to where you're going to fly by everyone else at a later stage. If you're making $35,000 a year, live like you're making 15 and start saving because you're not trying to play keep up with the Joneses. You're not trying to wear this or go there and do this to make it look like you're more successful to fit in. Yeah. doesn't matter. Like that's the one thing I would tell myself if I was in my twenties, because progress pays off over time popularity is a losing contest. Like the more you chase popularity and perfection, the less you actually do, because you probably overspend, you go into crazy amounts of debt and you're scared to do anything that you might fail. If you're chasing progress, like you don't really care about the early failures. Cause you're like, I'm not playing the one year game. I'm playing the 10 year game. And mm -hmm. in 10 years, you're rolling because of all the investments you made up front that you're like, I got this. And all of your friends are going to be like, oh my gosh, how'd you do this? Where'd you get to that level? How'd you succeed? And you're like, well, y'all were like chasing popularity contests. I, I was just it. working the skills, trying to get better. Like I was recording that podcast. I had five people listening to me for the first year, but I kept showing up, recording episodes, getting better, be, you know, getting more guests, building a network and growing and going. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, I love that so much. I, I know for a fact, any of our listeners, anyone in their twenties, honestly, and even beyond still need to hear that um, and still are deeply impacted by that. So you talk a lot about a winning mindset and what would, what does that look like to you? Like, what does a winning mindset look like to you and sound like to you? Something that you think would really be a strong takeaway for people listening. A seed, give us yeah. Seed seeds. Yeah, no, there's, you know, it's, it's multiple pieces. So it, that's hard to define as like a yeah. singular thing. But when I think the winning mindset, they have mental toughness, which means when things don't go their way, they're able to adjust. They can, mm -hmm. they can handle it. 
They have some resilience, so they can bounce back when you have a setback. Uh, a lot of it is positive self-talk. How are we talking to ourselves internally? Because that reinforces how we show up. Growth mindset factors into that. What are our beliefs about the skills we can grow and develop? And then the last piece I would probably say is controlling the controllables slash mindfulness. And what I mean by that, mindfulness gets a, a very woo-woo type definition from a lot of the groups. <laughs> But more than anything, it's the ability to be present, to be where your feet are, because you can't change the past. You can only influence the future by what you do in this moment. And so when I talk mindfulness, it's how do you just win this moment? And controlling the controllables is how you do that, because our attitude, our action, and our efforts are really the only things we control 100% of the time. We don't control the traffic, our boss, our roommate, our friend, what the market's like, any of that. We do control how we respond to it with our attitude, effort, actions, and where we choose to focus. And so a winning mindset has all of those pieces. And the good news is what I've seen and what science backs up is we can develop each of these skills through the choices we make on a daily basis. So every time you wake up in the morning and man, that you hear that alarm and you just want to hit snooze and sleep in for another hour or two, instead of getting up and going to the gym, like you said, you were, when you decide not to hit snooze and get up, you're making a choice and casting a vote to be a more disciplined person. Mm -hmm. So you're building your mental toughness by making the decision. I'm not going to be someone who hits the snooze button. When you get cut off in traffic driving somewhere, and we all want to wave that magic little finger in the air at people and maybe scream, when you catch yourself and reframe the situation and say, man, I hope where they're going, everybody's okay, I hope nobody's hurt, and you don't get that rage, that upset that happens, you instead collect your breath and reframe the story, you're casting your vote for someone that controls their controllables and, and, and has a response to something instead of reacts to something. And so every choice we have throughout the day is an opportunity to build that mindset. And the great part is, if you mess up on the last one, you've got another one coming, like just get your eyes off of what happened, what messed up, man, that didn't work. How can I win this next moment, this next opportunity? And so when I think winning mindset, and that's what I talked to a lot of teams about is, you know, last week I was in Florida speaking and Wednesday was with a, a sales team that's in the real estate space. And we talked a lot of growth mindset and we talked a lot about daily processes. How do we build habits? How do we have growth mindset? When I went over to Fort Myers uh, on Thursday for one of my physical therapy clients, it was all about our language. What language we're using internally with our self-talk and then what are we using with each other, specifically our coworkers, our friends, our family that reinforce that right self-talk. And so all of those pieces come together and we can all build them. The challenge we run into is a lot of times we wish we had discipline, we wish we had more grit, we wish we had this or that. And because we don't, we tend not to do it. But the one thing I've seen over the last two years, especially depending on where you live, is coming out of COVID. Life's always going to be a little bit different, but what's going to happen is we're going to get back to fairly norm. And there's going to be two types of people and two types of people alone. The first group is going to realize I was not ready for something like that. I didn't like losing control of everything. I want to build my mindset. So the next time something happens, which inevitably something out of our control will I'm better prepared to bounce back more effectively and more quickly. And then we have the people that are going to come out of it and say, man, that sucked. Huh, glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. And then they're going to think, not think about it again until something else happens. And they're going to be like, crap, what do I do? I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to bounce back. And they're not prepared. And so those are really the two groups. And so we get to decide right now, do we want to start preparing ourselves for a challenge or adversity that inevitably will happen? Or do we just want to sit back and wait and hope 
we don't run into one, which chances are we're a hundred percent going to run into one. Yep. And that's so clear from, from your story too, of where you got to where you are today. Like you're going to hit bumps that you're going to lose the speaker deal or someone's going to need you to write a book or COVID's going to hit and you can't, you know, do this or that. But I think that that is like that resilience piece is something that we're learning so much in this part of our life in this decade of our life of you, you have to do the things that you can control in order to be resilient to the things around you that you can't. Yeah. At that age, you should be challenging yourself constantly. You should join a workout program that makes you uncomfortable. You just go to an orange theory and at 45 or a CrossFit or a boot camp, like something that you don't normally do to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, to build confidence that you are someone that can handle uncertainty. You should travel. If you're someone that hasn't traveled or never left the U S or has only gone North America, like go overseas, go to Europe, go somewhere where they English is not really the main language there. Put yourself in those situations to be uncomfortable now, because what you're going to find is the more uncertainty we get into, the larger we stretch our comfort zone. The larger we stretch our comfort zone, the more confidence we can build doing things. And when we get older, what you're going to find, especially when I see it with people in their 20s, is people that never face challenges, uncomfortable situations, or adversities in their teens and 20s, they are going to get their tail kicked by life in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Yeah. And I'm starting to see it in a lot of people in their 30s that have never had to be on their own or handle these situations or go somewhere where you know it wasn't easy or they had cell phone service. And so why I would like heavily encourage that is challenges make us stronger. Adversity actually equips us. And at this age, traveling, going to work out, doing things beyond your comfort zone, actually expand your comfort zone. And what they do is in these times before you quote made it, like society says you should, you're actually building better skills, which are those, they're soft skills, but I hate the word soft because mindset wise, it's not anything soft about it. It's having a hard mindset and being able to handle these situations but it's putting you in a better long-term position to succeed than anybody else mm. because you're going to be able to adapt and bounce back and handle uncertainty and being uncomfortable. And you'll be able to call like, oh, that one time I was in Europe and we missed the train and we didn't know what we were going to do. Here's how we got through it. Oh, I can handle not having this presentation for this event. Like I've done, I've done harder stuff than this. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't done harder stuff than that, you have nothing to call back on as that confidence to remind you. It's so yeah, that's so powerful. And I think about it too. And it's just, it, it's crazy because we, obviously there's going to be fear. There's going to be self-doubt. Like those things are going to creep in, but it's so cool because just like you say, every time that we do face a challenge head on, even with those fears and feelings, it makes it that much more rewarding when we show ourselves exactly what we're made of and then are able to look back and be like, wait, what am I talking about? Like I have all of this evidence in my little toolbox of all the times that I've overcome all of these different things. So of course I can navigate this. I can navigate anything. And it's just a really cool, you know, I think it, it gives us a different perspective through which we can see life and then allows us to not only up level in that moment, but allows us to kind of, I guess, open ourselves up to new opportunities that we definitely wouldn't have been able to see or even consider before. So um, 1,000%, 1,000%. And we are easily tricked as a society to believe that we just magically build these skills over time. 
Like they just happen. Like, man, I'm always afraid in my twenties and fearful. And I worry about all this stuff, but you know, when I get to my thirties and forties, I'm not going to worry about that anymore. Cause I'm quote grown up. Yeah. And that never happens. Like, unless you do the work to do, unless you put yourself in situations to act when you're afraid, you're never going to be able to, because fear never goes away. Nobody is ever fearless, but what they are is more trained in taking action with fear. There's a, uh, there's a documentary of, oh my gosh, he was, it was the uh, guy that climbed the wall, the, the mountain, the side of the cliff oh. uh, without, uh, without any harnesses or anything. I just, you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Talking. So I'm, I'm blanking on, on the name of the documentary. And so if we find it later, throw it in the show notes, but yeah. they did a test of this guy climbing. He's climbing like a sheer rock wall with no harness or nothing, just a bag of chalk, bare hands and feet. And they were studying like his heart rate, they had monitors on him and stuff. And it was like pretty calm. And you would think it is crazy. And they asked him about it afterwards. The reason he's so calm is because he's made this climb hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times with harnesses. He started small, he worked his way up a little bit. Like he knew every part of this mountain because he had put himself in those situations. He still had a little bit of fear. Right. But because he had stepped into that situation time and time and time and time again, he was able to talk to himself the entire time that I can handle this. Mm. And so that's a great reminder of us in life. Like we're never good. We're never unafraid. It's all nervous the first time, but the more you do it, the more you become comfortable with that situation, yeah. that experience. And it just better equips you. Like you just said in life, because you can always call back to it and say, you know what? I did this. I went and traveled there alone. I, I did that hard workout class. I can handle this. Yeah. It's such a good analogy to like building confidence and what we were talking about earlier and like doing the small things every day to help you build that confidence. Because I think it's a really hard thing, especially going back to the comparison thing of not being maybe where you want to be yet with whatever your job is, your relationship is, whatever that, that point you're trying to hit at this present moment. When you, when you do those things every day, the little things, you are building that self-confidence, even if maybe you're not at the point you want to be at, even if you are somewhat now and they're falling into the trap of comparing yourself to the people around you. I think what I'm learning is the only way to combat that is doing that work and building that inner confidence. And, and then again, over and over and over, when you get to the point that maybe is that marker, it's your heart rate's not going to be up because you've been doing the work. And it's, and it's playing that long game. And so when you just mentioned, maybe you're not where you are in your career. Well, ask yourself, where do you actually want to be in your career? Not now, but one day, what's the goal? And then start working backwards. Okay, you want to be the president of a company? Then you got to get VP first. And to get to VP, you need to be a director and hit X goals. And to get to director, you need to do X, Y, and Z. So you start reverse engineering it and saying, okay, where am I at now? What's the next step? What skills would make me successful there? And it's not tenure. Don't worry about how long you've been in a company. Worry about how good you are in your role. And so once you identify these are the skills and targets that if I hit, I'll move up. So you work your way up that way. Relationally, don't buy into society standards of when you should get married, where you should be, if you should be single, not single, whatever. Focus on being your best and then identify what are the traits that help you be your best and find someone that compliments you in that. Because we get caught, especially early on in the dating of wanting to be with somebody versus wanting to be our best and finding somebody that we can partner alongside. And that's, 
especially if you're ambitious, it's not about having somebody fulfill you. It's about having somebody compliment and sharpen you to be better. Because when you come into a relationship, if, if they're looking to you to fulfill them and you're looking to them, like that's going to be a miserable situation. But if you come in saying, listen, I love me. Here's what I'm good at. Here's why I want to get better. Will you hold me accountable to it? And they tell you the same thing and you're sharpening each other. You're both going to have a great journey through life together because it's not about fulfilling each other. It's about I'm full. I'm a hundred percent, but I want more of you and I want to spend time with you. Right. And so the, the single side, especially I've got friends that are single and they wear me out with some of their stories. And I'm like, you're chasing the same people that have nothing to do with what you told me where you want to be in life. So find the alignment with the type of people that fit those traits of who you want to be and start being around those people more and start working to become them. So they all have steps. We all have opportunities. Yeah. It's just, as you're listening to this, half the people listening to this may hear it and be like, oh, that sounds nice. And they're not going to do anything with it. They're going to have the knowledge, but wisdom is applying the information and the knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so there's some of you listening that you're going to take 10 to 15 minutes and just write out, where do I actually want to be two years from now in my career? What would my ideal relationship look like? What are the traits that I need to bring to it? What are the traits they would compliment me on? And identify it. And then once you identify it, one, you can start building it. And two, you yeah. can better recognize it in whoever you're trying to date. Yeah. I also think yeah. like, I think we kind of miss a lot of the times, sometimes for the people, for those ambitious people, the people that probably are listening to this podcast, to your podcast, you know, we can do the identifying, but I think sometimes what's harder is then, okay, now you have to like realize what are the practical steps that you're going to actually take to get there. And it takes a little bit of a stepping outside yourself to be able to identify those things. Because like we said way early on, sometimes you just want the thing, but you yeah. have to be able to break down. And I know you talk a lot about focus in, in your work to be able to break down the steps and really put the focus on the things that are actually going to move the needle closer to that, that goal than, you know, the dilly dallying or the time wasting habits or, you know, not actually do taking the proper steps towards the goal. And everyone's steps are going to look different, right? We said before, everyone's steps towards their goal. Well, you know, the best way to find those steps is to identify somebody that's done it and mm -hmm. ask. Yeah. And just DM them on Instagram. I get DMs all the time from people who are like, hey, I want to be a speaker. And so I wrote an article on LinkedIn that I just send them the link to. And I'm like, if you have specific questions, let me know. But like, here's the process. Yeah. And so then that separates you because a lot of people DM and be like, hey, I want your leads or whatever versus, hey, listen, I'm just starting out speaking. I have no idea how to get going. How did you decide what to talk about and who to talk to? That's a specific question I can answer. And it means you've done the work. So if you're like, man, I want to get to a manager role, but I don't know how to do it. Hmm. Ask someone that's in a manager role there or find somebody in your network or on LinkedIn at another company and say, hey, listen, I'm first, second year in my career. This is where I'm ultimately trying to go. I see you got there. Do you mind just telling me like what you wish you'd done in your early 20s that puts you in a position for this opportunity now? And then what's one or two things that you're glad you did? So then you've asked them, like, what are two things you wish you'd done differently? And then what are two things you're glad you did? It gives you four pieces of information that you can immediately apply and say, okay, what can I do with this? Because one of those you immediately can start working on. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's incredible. And I love the way that you're geared and how you and your team made that shift towards 
not to say other people aren't ambitious, but really what you guys were talking about with like catering to a specific group of people that are willing to do the uncomfortable work and willing to do maybe even the boring work sometimes if we classify it as that or the monotonous work or the it's always work. boring. Yeah. <laughs> boring, boring, um, the boring builds great because nobody yeah. wants to do, nobody wants to eat grilled chicken, grilled salmon and broccoli every day. It's boring, but right. it gets you the results you want from a health perspective. Yeah. Donuts sure. are exciting. I love donuts. Alcohol, that's fun. Doesn't get you the health goals you want. Boring yeah. builds great. Mm, Most yeah. people just get too bored because they're thinking about how many more chicken breasts do I have to eat mm -hmm. versus what am I eating my next meal? Is it, you know, is it grilled, baked? What am I doing for this chicken breast? And then going from there. Yeah, definitely. And just also the piece on just growth mindset in general. Like I think something I've really been thinking about myself with growth mindset is I think for a while I was trying to convince myself I had a growth mindset when I was really letting a lot of fear get in the way. When, when I realized that when you really make that flip to really believing that something's possible and strengthening that, I guess, belief, um, to such a capacity where it's like, once you do get to a certain point, you're like, oh, I'm not surprised. Like, you know, I did the work, so I was going to get here. <laughs> um, and it's, it's cool. There's a really cool audio book and it's set up as a podcast called uh, The Learner Lab. It's a guy mm -hmm. named Trevor, I want to say Raglan, uh, but he it just came out. He comes out with like three or four chapters uh, every Tuesday. So I think they're one through eight are out now, but he ta he's talking heavily about growth mindset and it's mm -hmm. really our belief in ourselves. Yep. It's the belief, I have the belief that I can improve. I suck playing the piano, but I believe if I had a coach and if I practice at it, I could get better at playing the piano. I might not ever be fantastic at it, but I could be good or I could be average or I could play a song, but I could be better than I am now. I have the belief that if I put in the work and practice yeah. and I have a coach or someone helping me, I can get there. And so that's the big piece on growth mindset. And what you'll find is exactly what you said. The more you start pushing outside of that comfort zone, the more you have to be, you'll be aware of it. So me, for instance, I have a coaching opportunity coming up with a client that, that they've reached out to me for, and it would be bigger than any coaching opportunity I've had before, because it would be a company-wide program. And a lot of my coaching has been one-on-one -on -one and very small group, um, you know, 10 to 20 people. And so when they first asked, I was like, eh, I don't really know what I do. And, and the CEO today and I were having a call, just talking through some questions. And he was like, listen, I know you told me this, but like, I need you to level up on this because I believe you can do this and add value. And when he said that, I was like, I'm telling myself because I haven't done this. I think there's maybe someone else when in reality, like it's just something beyond my comfort zone mm -hmm. that I haven't connected the dots yet on. And so once you're aware of that, then you just change how you start talking to yourself. I say, okay, I haven't done this yet, but if I were to do it, what would it look like? Mm -hmm. Called a buddy that's an executive coach. We talked through some different options I was thinking. And so then you start putting those pieces into place to provide it. But the key is recognizing why you're thinking a certain way. And then to start changing that internal dialogue around it with the word yet and identifying those opportunities mm -hmm. for growth. That's, that's the best one in your twenties. Like if you want to add a new word to your vocabulary, it's yet. Yeah. Yeah, I may not be where I want to be yet, but that changes how we look at it, man. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I want to be in my career. I don't have the job I want yet. Oh. That opens the door to say, I don't have it, but I'm working toward it. And when you start reminding yourself every day, like I may not be there today, but I'm getting there. It just changed how you show up and how you see yourself and, and keeps those inner demons and, and inner critics from talking down about what you're not doing and where you're not, and simply reminds them that you're on your way. 
Wow. My goodness. You've given us so much already. We are almost there. We just have a couple of last. Let's do it. (laughs) Um, And one of them is how do you personally maximize your day? So like any daily practices, rituals, routines, whatever. Yeah. Um, I was re I had really good habits when I was early traveling uh, because I had a pretty consistent travel schedule and that's changed dramatically. Uh, one of the things I love to do, get up, work out first thing in the morning. I try to get a sweat first thing in the morning when I work out, when I have a rest day, it's at least get outside and walk, bro, do something to move, listen to a podcast. My, then try to identify what are my targets for the day. So the journal that we just released, it really has the three targets, three most important things we have to do that day. Because what I found is I was looking at a to-do list that was 20, 30, 40 things long and always adding on to it. And I really wasn't tackling the most important items. A lot of the times I was shying off to the easy checkboxes, the stuff that makes me feel good and productive, but really isn't what I need to be doing. We all know that. Yeah, yeah. So I focus on those. And then I try to get a little bit of reading in just five, 10 minutes. Let me read something, either a devotional. Let me read a sports psychology book, something to start priming my mind for learning. Um, And that's really what I try to do. And then at night, I try to look back in the day and just identify one area where I'd better use my time, better control my emotions, do something differently and just make a quick note. Like next time I want to better do this in that situation. And then I tend to read fiction books at night as well, uh, just because it kind of helps me relax. The one thing I have incorporated more of in the last handful of months is affirmations morning and evening. And I was pretty good about controlling how I was talking to myself, but I wasn't setting a every morning, every evening type uh, affirmation. And I noticed there were a few limiting beliefs I had around a few things that just kept popping up. And I was like, I'm going to try to retrain my brain around these situations. And so I wrote just a few affirmations that reposition those and have dramatically helped how I approach different situations. And so I do that. Um, If you've never done affirmations, if you're listening to this, there's a really cool book by John Acuff. Um, it's, it's funny. I laugh. Like I read it and I was like, oh, I wish this was a book I wrote. Like it's a phenomenal book. And John's a great author, uh, one of the best out there, but it's called Soundtracks. And he positions it as overthinking, but really it's about how do you better control your self-talk? And he does it through looking at it through the lens of affirmation. So highly recommend that book for anybody doing it. But yeah, that, that's kind of my morning routine when I'm traveling. It's a little bit different, but usually getting up, getting a workout, quick journaling out stuff right there. And then the day kind of changes depending on where I am, if I'm out for a gig or, or whatever the case may be. Cool. Oh, thank you for the book recommendation, because that is yeah. like the key thing that I'm working on right now is uh, limiting beliefs and talking, soundtracks, soundtracks, love it. talking better to ourselves. We can all, we can all work on that. Uh, but yeah, you- actually the other one I'm going to give you as well. Go ahead, please. It's called Chatter by Ethan Cross. I've heard of that. And it's one. all about, yeah, the chatter in our head. Yeah. So those are the two I would highly recommend in terms of self-talk and, and what's going on in our thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, that's, it's certainly what my focus has been on uh, as of late and I'm sure other people as well. But Jake, this has been so incredible. We can't thank you enough. We have two little last things before we let you go. Yeah. We ask all of our guests, um, you gave us one before, but if you could tell 20 year old Jake one thing, what would you tell him? 
chase progress, not popularity. It would have saved me a lot of financial uh, struggles and I would have stockpiled a lot more and I would have stopped caring what other people think a lot sooner in life so I could start trying to get better at stuff. So I stick with that one as the one I'll always go back to. And so want to highly, highly encourage everybody here. You'll save yourself money, headaches, and in the long run, you'll be way better off and way farther ahead when you chase progress over popularity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and our last question for you is where can people find you and all of your incredible resources? So feel free to pimp out your book, your podcast, anything <laughs> you want to share. You're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Easiest place to find me is competeeveryday.com. There's links from there to the podcast, the book journal, my speaking engagements, uh, and then Instagram or any social media it's compete every day. But personally, I'm most active on Instagram and that's just Jake Thompson speaks. So if you heard me on the show, say hi, if there's anything we talked about, shoot me a DM, ask a question, would love to help and add any value I can. Amazing, Jake. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom. This was so incredible. I'm already feeling more motivated. Yeah. Like your, your voice is just, it's, it's a gift. So thank you for sharing it with us. We're so grateful. Thank Thanks for having me y'all. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.